Hello and welcome to Coach Rich Rants, real takes, raw feedback, unedited and unscripted views of what's happening in youth sports, in soccer, both in the U.S. and in my local community. I will be bringing to you different takes from the perspective of either a parent of an athlete, of a player, of a coach, or as a club director and administrator. Having worn every one of those hats, I'll try to bring to you these takes from each of those perspectives. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe. Welcome to another edition of Coach Rich Rants. Today's topic is this. I'm paying all of this money for club soccer. Why is my son or daughter's team getting smashed by these other teams? This goes along the lines of the problem with the problem with USU soccer. And this is the dilemma that coaches and club directors have every year when the first players coming to the academy program for the first time. And let me define academy for a second. Academy, where I live, refers to those players that are eight, nine, or 10 years old where they train in a pool of a group of players. They might make one, two, or three teams out of that academy group. They may not have fixed rosters. In fact, they should not, I repeat, should not have fixed rosters at U8, at U9, at U10. You can start to get to fixed rosters, but I would still advocate for allowing players to move around throughout the season because six months in a playing year um, from a size perspective and most importantly from an emotional maturity perspective are huge differences and so players at the beginning of the season who may be kind of a little behind or lower down sort of on the you know kind of the skills system or matrix of you know what they consider to be their player rankings those could change at three months, at four months, at five months, at six months because of the way players develop and youth and kids develop emotionally, mentally, physically, um, intellectually. All of that ch early childhood development stuff is really important, in fact, and it, and it plays out and manifests itself in soccer. So what happens in this academy, and so in academy, not development academy, right? So in my market, we have community-based soccer that starts at four years old and goes all the way through high school if people start stay in their community because it turns into travel at U11 or U12 but again it's community-based travel it's not very competitive or as competitive and there's a lot of athletes that do multiple sports that participate in that because it's typically in the fall and then it again in the spring but club soccer begins at U9 U10 for the Academy and then U11 U12 is a cycle and then U13 to U18 is a cycle um, well, U13 and U14 is its own cycle because they play year-round 11 v 11. Um, and then U15 and up is half year after the high school season in, in this area. So the academy is those youngest players. Well, some clubs start their academy at 9. Some clubs start their academy at um, 8 years old. And so what happens to me every single year, I happen to be in a club that starts at early, starts at 8 because we've seen the players progress from a development perspective is that parents will go and get frustrated and say, well, if I'm paying all this money for training, if I'm paying all this money for development, why are my, why is my son's team or my daughter's team getting smashed by these teams? Well, here's the thing, okay? If you start at uh, U8, which has, uh, this year would be 2011 birth year. So a 2011 birth year means that in the year 2018, those kids are only turning seven. 
So there are players, because of the calendar birth year, that may not turn seven years old until, in a U8 year, until December, November or December. Although they're U8, technically under eight, they're seven, they turn seven this year. So if they, if you're playing against a club that doesn't have a U8 or a 2011 team, then you're playing a team that's 2010. Now there could be players born in January of 2010. So you've got all of G all of 2010 and almost all of 2011. That is 23 months in age difference. So that is a first grader going up against a third grader. And purely based on emotional maturity and purely based on the physical size of that difference between a first grader and a third grader, when you're playing on a field that has a goal that is seven feet high, 21 feet wide, and again, this is U.S. soccer standards. This is seven-a-side soccer with a build-out line and no punting. Okay, small-sided field, but ginormous goal. You have a three-foot-tall goalie covering a goal that's seven feet high, that's 21 feet wide. You should not be focusing on goalkeepers at this age. So, therefore, that means you are going to typically have a player who can catch or a pretty good athlete. You may cycle through different goalkeepers. So, the idea is to stop a lot of shots. It just doesn't happen because the reality of it is it's a lot of ground to cover. So, the dilemma that the coaches and the club directors have is this. At that age, you should be playing one player, one ball. It should be primarily technical in nature. It should be about balance, coordination, agility, learning how to use multiple surfaces of both of their feet, giving them confidence on the ball when the ball is at their feet, and it should be one player, one ball in a lot of situations in training for most of the U8 year, if not all of it. And I would advocate it U9 and U10. At U11 is when I start working on first touch and passing and receiving. But at 8 and 9 and 10, I really focus on individual player development, individual skills, technical skills, the ability to take a player on 1v1, the ability to be creative and use their your imagination with the ball, and then also to defend in a one-on-one -on -one situation. Because in a situation where they have limited practices to one to two to week, you can only work on so much, okay? So what they should be working on is skills. And when you're in a situation like that, when it's kids are very new to skills and they're just learning it out and figuring it out, right? The coaches don't have a whole lot of time to work on tactics, nor should they work on tactics. Again, the games at this age should be nothing more than the ability to see the kids' progression, for them to have fun, for them to get some competition. However... The pressure that the clubs and the coaches have is on winning, and that is from the parents. It's primarily the parents who have their oldest child in club sports for the very first time. Because when you ask those same parents if they have an older sibling, the second time around, if it's more manageable, they know now the expectation and it's not so bad. So what I think has to happen more and more is the coaches and the clubs need to communicate more to the parents what the expectations are. I know that that was something when I was a club director that I had every single year in the fall was I had these meetings with parents who were concerned about the results and I would break it down to that. And, and for me, and I may be a little bit different in my market, 
I was an advocate of individual player development, and I did not care how the team did. And I told the parents, and I told the players, as long as you go out there and give it your best, and you have fun, and you're applying what you're learning in training, I don't really care about the results. Because guess when I care about the results? When you are U13, U14, when you're playing on a full-sided 11v11 field, when you can compete for a state championship. That's when I care that you win. So I'm going to teach you the skills and the technical ability that you need to have in a one-on-one -on -one situation when you're younger so that when you're older, you don't have to worry about that. So continuing on, sorry for that disruption or this disturbance, but uh, just to continue with the conversation, um, what a player, what a coach in a club should be focused on should be player development over games and so as I was saying that I like to win when the kids get older because that's really when it matters um, and not every club is that way so some clubs are so concerned about losing players that they care about wins they care about losses and they really take it seriously at the young age where I've always been part of a club that we were against that and we didn't mind losing at eight or nine or ten years old and we I used to always point to older teams that I coached and said look at that team who just won the state cup, who just went to regionals. That team didn't win very much at all at eight or nine. They didn't start to do well until 10 or even 11 because we focused so much on their skills. And now one-on-one, -on -one, every one of my players can best their opponent or the player opposite them in an 11 v 11 situation. And my substitutes are so much deeper than everyone else's because I've developed these players and their technical skills from the time they were eight or nine years old all the way until now. And one of the things that did for me was it also kept the players around and loyal to the club because the parents bought in or who bought in started to see the change and you could see it in six months time. You can see it by the spring of this year if you're starting in the fall. So my goal in the conversation I've had with almost every parent I've ever talked to at tryouts is that my goal is to focus on the individual player and their technical skills so that if for some reason they got a new job and they relocated that that player would have the technical foundation to be able to pick any soccer club they wanted to play for I also said that when I was player coming up and I tried out for select teams or any team in college or any other team that I tried out for I was not able to take the team that I played on with me. It was how I did individually in a tryout environment that determined whether or not I made that team. So the idea is if you focus on every individual player and you create a bunch of individual players that are very proficient technically, you will then by nature or by default have a better team because every player is better. When you play seven aside or even nine aside on a smaller pitch, which is mandated by U.S. soccer, which I think is good, it is too easy to get help or support from a teammate should you mess up. So the idea is to be creative, to make mistakes, to take chances, okay? Do that when you're young so that you learn, right? And as you get older and you get into an 11 v 11 situation, yes, it's only two more players on the field, but the space is so much bigger that it gets very lonely on the field. So if you find yourself in the corner along the sideline, sometimes even in the center circle, 
you may be alone. If you lose the ball, you're on your own to get it back. If you have the ball in your possession, you're one-on-one. -on -one. And so if you've got good one-on-one -on -one skills, you have a chance to proceed past that defender and move the ball on to your next teammate. If you are defending and you're one-on-one, -on -one, then it's you and the guy with the ball. So that if you have good one-on-one -on -one defensive skills, again, in an 11-a-side situation, chances are you're gonna have a good opportunity to be successful. So my idea has always been, if I create 18 or 16 or 15, depending on the roster size, individual players that are individually better than the guy they're going up against, well then, I should be able to teach those players who are individually skilled the tactics that they need at the time they need it to be successful as a team. Not a lot of people feel that way. I have felt that way. And I will say this, the teams that I've coached from the youngest ages to the oldest ages have had success because of it. And in my local area, you could ask anyone about how I approach technical skills and why I'm, I'm not here to promote myself, but I'm here to say this, it works, right? I didn't invent that. Where I got that was from Corver Coaching. I got that from Tony Carr in West Ham. I got that from the Wolverhampton Academy system, which is all about technical development at a young age. Do they work on tactics? Sure they do, but they don't work on tactics nearly as much as they do on the technical skills and the creativity. If you look at what Tom Byers is doing in Japan, by introducing a soccer ball to a toddler, even an almost infant, as soon as they can walk, by the time they start organized soccer, which over there is around six, they have so much confidence on the ball that it's like second nature to them. And then it becomes about the socialization, the interaction with the other players. So instead of having to worry about the soccer ball necessarily, they're only working on the things that you worry about when you're five or six years old, which is socialization, being part of a team, having a different coach, instructor, teacher, right? Those things are the things that they can focus on, not so much the, the soccer ball or the football, depending on where you're from. So I believe in that. And so parents, here's my request to you. Have some patience, talk to the coaches, talk to the club, and ask them what their philosophy is for player development. And if they say their philosophy is to create individual players to focus on technical skills, you're in a good place. If their philosophy is to teach the kids the game of soccer tactically at eight or nine years old so that they win a bunch of tournaments and a bunch of games, Maybe that's not the place that you should think about from a long-term perspective. But again, that's again up to maybe what you want in your player. If you're doing soccer because you think your kid has a love for the game and you have a love for the game and it's something that you want to play for a lifetime, I would advocate for losing at an early age or sacrificing victory for technical development and then potentially picking that up later. But go to a club that has a real progression, right? That's kind of what I would suggest. Um, if you're not getting that in your club, then I would go find that technical training, home-based skill acquisition programs, things like that on your own outside of your club. Most clubs though, hopefully will be focused on player development. So that is the advice for the parents, just to have patience, talk to coaches and talk to parents and players on older teams about what it was like when they were eight or nine and they will tell you the same story. And now they'll say, well, our kids are so technically proficient that we're happy with that now at the time we didn't like it but we like it now for coaches and club directors stop giving in to the parents i see it all of the time i train kids on the weekends right and i train kids that play club soccer on the weekends and i hear from the parents time and time again while they're not working on any of this foot skill anymore and we're talking about eight and nine years old and i say why not 
Well, because we lost 8 nothing in the first game and 12 nothing in the second game. And so we've been focusing on corner kicks and set pieces and just teaching the kids how to play the game. And I say, okay, you work on corner kicks for an entire hour and 15 minute practice. Yes. Okay. How much of a 90 or how much of a 50 minute soccer game are you doing corner kicks? You may do three, four or five corner kicks a game between both teams, right? So are you spending an hour and 15 minutes working on corner kicks in a practice because you got beat on corner kicks in the game? So instead of reacting coaches to the weekend's game, stick to your guns, build a progressive curriculum or follow a progressive curriculum that's about technical training. Yes, you can introduce scrimmaging, you can introduce playing the game and basic patterns of play in basic shape. But the focus still needs to be on that individual's player's ability to receive the ball, to pass the ball, to dribble the ball, to take a player on one-on-one offensively or defensively. In my opinion, I think that's where the issues are and where the breakdown happens in youth soccer, where the parents get a little bit concerned with the results and that is primarily because the clubs are not communicating necessarily the age difference thing that happens, the uh, the time it takes for a player, which is typically six months or so, to start to catch on to that kind of training. If the club is not open with the parents about the progression in the curriculum and the focus of the club on development, that's a challenge. So as a club director or coach, The advice there is to do that with the parents, to set the expectations, to share with them stories of previous teams that are now successful because of what the sacrifice they made on technical development and technical training early on. Also stick to your guns in terms of do not be in this uh, mode where you are reacting and responding to the last game. That's what coaches do in high school and college a lot where they have to win now. And so the resultant curriculum is based purely on the results of the last game. Parents ask questions, clubs and directors communicate. Thanks. Once again, thanks for tuning in. If you're a parent and you agree or disagree and you would like to comment or have a dialogue about it, I'd love to hear from you, whether it's in a comment or in an email or even some other way. Uh, I'd love to chat with you, get your perspective on it. If you're a coach or a club director, if you're involved in youth soccer at all, if you completely disagree, I would love to hear it. If you agree and support the stance of development uh, priorities at that age, I'd love to hear it. If you think there should be different priorities at that age, I'd love to hear that as well. So. I'm looking for any and all feedback. I'd love to hear some folks um, provide their point of view and even maybe potentially have you on an episode of the show at some point. So thanks again for tuning in and um, feel free to subscribe or share this with others that you think may find this of benefit. Take care.